Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Deuteronomy chapter number six. Tonight, we finish our series on second generation Christianity. This has been the most disjointed series in the history of series, of, of sermon series. It's only been five messages long, but it started in February. That's not how a sermon series is supposed to work. February, and we're finishing it in August. That means our five message series has taken seven months to preach. And I'm not sure how that all happened. Actually, I am. We started it. We did the first two weeks. It was going great. Then we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. And so we were going to take two weeks and go online for two weeks. And I thought, well, I want to wait till we're back together in three or four weeks. And then I'll continue that series. And two weeks went, and then it was three weeks, and then a month, and then two, and then three. And, uh, and then we, we came back together, and we've had some other things going on on Sunday nights. And, and uh, we've had Pastor Tomlinson preach one Sunday night. And about a month ago, we were indoors, and I preached the fourth message. And I said, I think this is the last one, but I might have another one. And now a month later, I have another one. And we've been in Deuteronomy chapter number six. Tonight is a really simple truth. As with every message in this series, the title is one word. And tonight is not an in-depth Bible study. Sometimes we do that. Tonight is really more of a practical challenge, but it's a vital practical challenge for us if our faith is going to continue for generations. I don't know about you, but that's what I desire to see in my life, in my family, and in our church, that it wouldn't die with us. I don't want this to be the last generation that is ministering through Liberty Baptist Church. I don't want Ryan and Tiffany Thompson to be the last generation of Thompsons that's faithfully serving God in church. My prayer is that my children and my children's children will embrace the faith of their fathers and live for God for a lifetime. That's my prayer. That's my passion. My prayer is that Newport Christian School will raise up another generation of young people. I see some of the young people, teenagers and children that are in our school here in church tonight, that they will live for God for a lifetime. My prayer is that in our youth group, we will raise up and see another generation. My prayer is that we as adults will reach other adults and we will reach another generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's plan is a multi-generational faith. God wants our faith to be passed down to generations. And, uh, and, and, and so we've been talking about Deuteronomy 6 is where we have started every message in this series. And, but there are blessings and there are dangers to being born into a Christian home or into the church. Now, some of you were born into a Christian home and others of you were not. I was not, I was, but I was reached as a child at age nine. Some of you, all you've ever known is growing up in a Christian home. There are blessings to that, and there are dangers to being a second-generation Christian. And I want you to read, if you will, the verses where we've started this, this series, each and every message. And if you'd like to go back and listen to any of the other ones, you can go on our podcast or on our website, on our Facebook page, and catch the other ones. But let's read Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 3 aloud together, shall we? Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse number 1. Let's read that aloud. Ready? Begin. 
Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. By the way, let me stop right there. The reason you've been given truth and taught truth is not just to know more truth. It said here, these are the things you've been taught. Why were you given them? He's talking to the children of Israel. That ye might, what's that verb there? That ye might do them. You and I, the goal of Bible study, the goal of coming to church is not just to get to where we can say, I'm a great Bible student. I, I, can, I'm a, I, I, I kill in Bible trivia. I know all the answers. I know all of the stories. I, I can tell you who was the first king on the northern kingdom and the divided kingdom, the southern kingdom. And, and it's great to know those things, but it's not great if it doesn't change how we live. The reason we want to know more about God and his word is so that we can grow more and be more like him, serve him more, that you might do them. Verse number two, read it out loud with me if you will. Ready? Begin. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Verse 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that it may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. We've gone through the context of this passage. We've gone through the background of all of this. But just as a brief introduction, Deuteronomy is Moses giving the law a second time. Deuteronomy comes from two words. The word deuteros meaning uh, second, nomos meaning law, a second law. Exodus was where he gave the first law. And and God gave the commandments, the laws of what we call the law of Moses to the children of Israel. Here's how you should live. Here's how you should govern your nation. And here's the law. And we recall, And then he said, this is what you should do. And, I, and God said, I have a land prepared for you. I have a life prepared for you. I have a calling for you, the land of Canaan. But we understand that generation, they lacked faith. They didn't believe God enough to step out by faith and go into the promised land, the land God had promised, the land of Canaan, that land that flows with milk and honey that land that God had reserved for them. And we often miss out on God's best for our lives because we don't have the faith to obey because we're scared about what might happen if we do. And, and he says, I want you to go in. And so what happened, many of you know the story, of course. They sent out 12 spies, and we know the song, the little children's song, 12 men, oh no, 10 men went to spy on, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. And that little children's song that they sing sometimes in children's church, what happened, they came back and said, we can't go in. God had already promised them, I'm going to defeat all of those enemies. But their mind said, it's too scary, we can't obey God. So what happened, God made that generation wander in the wilderness until an entire generation had died off. An entire generation wasted their lives in the wilderness because they lacked the faith to follow God. And so now we have a new generation getting ready to go into the, into the promised land. And Moses, when you read Deuteronomy, it's Moses preparing another generation, a second law to go into the promised land. By way of review, we'll review where we've been in this series. What are some of the blessings and dangers of being brought up in a Christian home, second generation Christianity? The first message was a single word. I challenge those 
that were brought up in Christian homes or in, have been saved for any length of time, the word was this, and they're all verbs. The word was rejoice. Thank God that somebody shared the gospel with you. If we're not careful, sometimes we focus on the trials or the hardships instead of focusing on the blessings. Sometimes after you've been saved for a while, it's why don't I get to do that? Why do I have to do this? Instead of how, what do I get to do to please him, to serve him? And re- oh, there they go again. I thought I had him down. I'm going to have an iPad by next Sunday. All right, there we go. And we said rejoice. The second message in this series was beware, beware. So the first message talked to me. The first message was what? What was it? Rejoice. The second message, beware. The Bible says, thanks, Teach. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number six and verse number 12, then beware lest thou forget. Beware. And, and I challenge you, understand there are some natural dangers Natural dangers to being saved. Thanks, Marquise. Appreciate that. There are some natural dangers that lead to being, uh, that, that, that come from being saved for any length of time. If you've been saved for any length of time, then a natural danger or tendency is to become complacent and self-centered. I'm saved. My family's saved. Let me just have the easiest, most comfortable life I can. Who cares what happens to the rest of the world? And we can, if you've been saved, if you were born into a Christian home and you're 10, 12, 15, 18, 24, well, this is all I've ever known. Moses told them, beware lest thou forget. When you go into the land of milk and honey, when you go into this place where God is prepared and you're enjoying the blessings of God's plan for your life, beware. You can grow very cold and complacent, and so can I. That's the natural tendency, by the way. The natural tendency is not to become more on fire for God. It's to grow colder from God. You watch as as generations have been saved. The natural tendency is for us to grow farther away from God. And that's just human nature. How many of you, anybody here, you've ever purchased a brand new car? Ever purchased a brand new car? Right off the lot. You drove. Dave Ramsey would tell you that was a terrible financial decision. But we won't shame you right now, okay? And you bought a brand new car. How many of you, one of the cars that you still own to this day, you bought it brand new off the lot right here. You still drive that car. Ray, how old is that car? You bought it new and you drive it. 17 years old, Ray. So you bought it brand new before you heard of Dave Ramsey. 17 years ago, you bought it. You didn't care. Okay, yeah, he had heard of him, but he didn't care what Dave had to say. And uh, let me see who else over here. You still drive a car. How old is that car, Chinsei? 20 years old. Dave would be proud of that probably. You paid it off and kept it for another 15 years. That's all right. Dave can get out of our business if we keep it for 17 and 20 years. All right. Anybody else? Let me just see. Yeah, how, how long, Kay? 13. Keith, how long? 16 and 15. Bought him brand new. Now, Ray, do you remember when you drove it off the lot? What kind of car is it? Grand, oh, you were styling 17 years ago in the swagger wagon. A grand caravan. What car was it, Chinsei, 20 years ago? BMW. That is a nicer car. Okay. BMW. K, what car? Honda Accord. My first and second car were Honda Accords. Keith. Yukon and the truck. So you all remember when you drove it off the lot? Now, do you, do you take better care of it today or when you first drove it off the lot?
Surprise is still running. The doors don't work anymore. When you first drove it, Ray, did you were you concerned about everything that came into that car? Were you concerned about taking... Nicole was not, but you were. Well, this sounds like a counseling session we'll take care of later. But Shinsei, 20 years ago, did you take a, did you, were you a little more concerned about the care and condition of it when you first drove it off the lot? He said he washed it three times a year, now once a year. Keith, Kay, probably the same. I've, I've purchased two brand new cars in my life. And I can remember the first one that I purchased. We, we, my wife and I were living in our first little condo. We had a carport, no garage. We would pull it in under there. I had a little feather duster and I would dust it at when I got home at night and, and nobody was allowed to eat inside of it. And we got the, the van that we drive today that is six, 14 years old, 14 years old. Um, that, that van we bought brand new. Nobody was supposed to eat in it. I used to get it detailed. I would wash it once, every, once or twice a month. I would fully have it fully detailed once or twice a year. It was brand new. It's probably been eight or nine years since I detailed it. You can eat anything you want in it now. I used to park with my Honda Accord, 2000 Accord was brand new, 06 Toyota Sienna was new. I used to, when I would go into grocery stores, I would worry about where I parked. I would park a little farther, make sure there was some space from, so nobody would ding my door. I would do those things. And, and I, the, for, for me, what was really, really important, what was really, did I get you mad talking about your grandkids? Oh, you're just getting some shade there. Okay, all right. He's dying in the sun. But, but the natural, guess what? That Toyota Sienna, I'm not, you know where I park now? Whatever's the shortest walk into the store. I don't care if you ding my door. Now, we try to take good care of it, and we try, we try to be good stewards, but you know what I mean. And the same is true in really everything in our lives, in our relationships with friends, with a spouse, in, in whatever God has given to us. It's been said familiarity breeds contempt. If we're not careful, we will take for granted what God has given us. And so the challenge was beware, rejoice, beware. Number three, the third message in this series was embrace. This, if you're going to go forward for God as a second or third or fourth generation Christian, it must become yours. You must choose it for yourself. That's one of the dangers of going to a Christian school from kindergarten to 12th grade is your, your parents chose that for you. You weren't in kindergarten saying, Mom, Dad, I'd really like to have a daily Bible class and a weekly chapel. Could you put me in kindergarten at a Christian school? No, your parents said, I want you to know this. If you, if you went to Sunday school as a child, you probably didn't wake up at age five or six or seven and say, I'd really like to go and, and learn about the Ten Commandments. No, your parents said, I want you to learn these things. But somewhere along the way, you have to decide, this is not my parents' faith. This is my faith. Uh, and, and if you're a first-generation Christian, you made that decision for yourself. If you're a second-generation Christian, and we studied all through that, and then my last message about a month ago was continue. When we went to 2 Timothy, keep living in what you've been taught. Here's the fifth and final challenge. It's a very simple challenge tonight, but it's simply this. Here's the fifth and final challenge. The, the title of the message is multiply. Second-generation Christianity, rejoice in what you've been given. Beware of the complacency that can come. Embrace it for yourself. Continue in it for yourself. But then don't stop there. Multiply. I want you to see it in verse number two. Deuteronomy 6 in verse number two. What is the second word in verse number two? That what church? That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God 
to keep all his commandments, which I command thee. What's the next word? Thou. It has to become a personal faith first. Thou. Moses is teaching. He said, it's for you. Your parents messed up. They wandered in the wilderness. They didn't walk by faith. You need to embrace this for yourself, and then you need to live it. That thou mightest do it. He's talking to them. But then I want you to see, he goes beyond saying, I want you to embrace it. I want you to continue in it. He goes beyond that. And notice what he says. He says in verse number two, he says, thou and, and who? And thy son and thy son's sons. All the days of thy life. God wants us to live for him until for a lifetime till we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That the days of, that, and that thy days may be prolonged. Second Timothy chapter two, verse number two. What did Paul tell Timothy in that pastoral epistle? He said, "The things which thou hast heard of me." It has to start with somebody, Timothy. The things you've heard from me, you you've embraced them for yourself. You're living them. The things that thou hast heard of me, the same commit thou to what faithful men that may be able to teach others also. What is Moses telling the children of Israel here? Multiply your faith. Pass it down to multiple generations. What is Paul telling Timothy? Multiply your faith. It starts with you, but it should multiply to three generations. Really, with Paul, four generations. Uh, the faith, what did, t- turn with me if you will. Um, we won't turn there yet. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. What did Jesus tell them? He said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Where? In Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. What did he say? The gospel is not supposed to stay in Jerusalem. You got saved. It's not supposed to stay in your house. It's supposed to multiply and go from your house throughout your city to the next region to the, and to every, to the uttermost part of the earth. It's not supposed to stay with you. And Newport, uh, Liberty Baptist Church and, and our ministry at Newport Christian School, we were not given the gift of God's of salvation, of eternal life, of God's forgiveness. We were not given that just to enjoy it for ourselves. We were given that gift to reproduce ourselves in other people. It's what Jesus said, bear much fruit. I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. I want you to, Timothy, I want you to reach people. Uh, children of Israel, I want you to pass your faith down to your sons and to your sons' sons. Our faith is supposed to multiply. God's plan for the believer is that the believer would multiply himself into other believers. We would bear fruit because of because of our salvation and because we have been become Christians, there should be more than one person in heaven when you die and when I die. Can I say that again? Because of the fact that someone told you about Jesus Christ, when you die and when I die, there should be more than one person in heaven. And there is fruit that can abound to our account in all different ways. Some water, some, some plant, some water, God gives the increase. It can be through our giving, missions giving. The Bible teaches that people that get saved as we give to missions, that's fruit that abounds to our account. It can be through personal witness. It can be through a church ministry and you might be a teacher and, and you're training that, 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 that faithful Sunday school teacher that, that taught and reached D.L. Moody and D.L. Moody went on to reach hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people through his ministry. Well, that's fruit that abounds as there was someone that just faithfully taught the Bible each and every Sunday. But God gave us 
the gift of salvation, not, it's not just fire insurance for our family. It's a gift that he wants us to share with everyone we can. And if you were given the gift of salvation, God wants that gift to multiply from your life. To multiply. God doesn't just want us to take in. He wants us to be conduits. That which the, the, the word of God flows through. We've been blessed, you've heard it said before, to be a blessing. We've been saved to share that salvation with others. We've been taught so that we can teach. We've received so that we can give. We've been helped so that we can help others. And often, we are very selfish with what we've received, aren't we? We enjoy it for ourselves. We take it, and we enjoy it for our families, but we, never, we enjoy it even for our churches. Boy, we've been blessed with this beautiful facility and 45-year and history or 44-year history of God's working here in Orange County. And let us just enjoy this for our own enjoyment. Oh, no. God wants us to multiply, to pass our faith down to multiple generations. John Wanamaker was a highly successful and innovative businessman. He was a, a founder of department stores in the late 1800s. He was also the U.S. Postmaster General. He was a pretty well-known person in the business world, in the political world, a mover and a shaker, if you will, a powerful and influential man. John Wanamaker was one time asked, somebody asked him, they said, how do you get time, how do you find time to run a Sunday school for 4,000 students in, a, in addition to the business of your stores, your work as Postmaster General, and other obligations? Instantly, Mr. Wanamaker replied, why? The Sunday school is my business. All the other things are just things. There was a man that, from the world's perspective, was very successful business in the business world, in, in politics. In, in those, he was a powerful man in U.S. government. And you know what he said his biggest priority was? That Sunday school where he shared the truths of the gospel. God has called me. What was he saying? He was saying, God saved me and gave me the opportunity to be the postmaster general in these department stores so that I could multiply my life and God's kingdom. He said, all the other things are just things. 45 years ago, he said, I decided that God's promise was sure. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The stuff that man placed a high priority on was Wanamaker's lower priority. All through scripture, we see this pattern of service and multiplying. God called Elijah. Did Elijah's faith die with Elijah? There was another one that came up behind him. Who was that? Elisha. That Elisha said, give me a double portion of his spirit. And as God, as Elijah died, what do we see? Elijah had multiplied himself through Elisha, that prophet Elijah to Elisha. God called Moses. Did, did Moses' life and influence end when he died? No, there was a servant behind him who? Joshua, that led the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses had multiplied himself in and through the life of Joshua. God called Paul. Did Paul's life and influence end when he died? There are many we could list, but one that often comes to mind is Timothy. Paul had a Timothy. He multiplied. He invested in. He used, he took his faith, and Paul multiplied himself all over through his missionary journeys, but his influence didn't end. I want to ask you a few questions for you to ponder. 
How are we doing in multiplying? We've been given the gift. Let me ask you a few questions. Who are you or who have you shared the gospel with recently? That's a convicting question for your pastor. And I try to be a witness regularly on a weekly basis, but not nearly as much as I should. Who am I multiplying myself through in my witness? I want you to ponder these thoughts. Who are you currently investing in? Saying there's somebody that I am trying to, to, to invest in, to bring up, to train, to help, to make a difference in. Who are you giving to? Who are you teaching? Who have you recently taken under your wing to bring along and to help and to encourage? Take them out to eat and share the things of God and bring them along. A new Christian may be in discipleship, whatever it might be. Who are you and who am I sharing our faith with? Who are you enlisting to serve with you? Kevin, I think you were telling me, right, when you got saved about 30 years ago here at Liberty, there was somebody, I forget the man's name, that he, he wouldn't leave you alone. You got to get on the bus route. You got to get on the bus route. What was his name? Doug Dreyer. You got to get on the bus route. You got, and, and Kevin didn't know what the bus route was. You got to come out with me. You got to go. And this man enlisted Kevin, and now some 30 years later, on a daily and weekly basis, there's a man, Kevin, and his wife, Janice, that are multiplying, investing in people through the Christian school. And he drives a bus nearly every Sunday to pick up boys and girls. And, and he taught a singles class for many, many years. 30 years ago, he was a new Christian, but there was an older seasoned Christian that took him under his wing and enlisted him for service and said, you've got to get involved. Your life is for more than just you getting saved. You've got to multiply yourself. And now, 30 years later, who knows how many lives God has used Kevin and Janice Cyprian to impact and to influence for God's glory. But there were some people, a Pastor Tomlinson and some others in our church, that, 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 that invested in a new Christian, a young couple, just been married for a few months, and brought them along, and they multiplied their lives into Kevin. And now Kevin and Janice have multiplied their lives into hundreds and maybe thousands of others. That's the way the Christian life is supposed to work. So how are you doing on that? How am I doing on that? How are we doing passing our faith to somebody else? We have to embrace it first for ourselves. Thou and thy sons and thy son's sons. Yes, I think he's talking biologically, but I believe as we see with Paul in 2 Timothy, the application is far more reaching than our biological family. And you say, well, my kids are grown and some of them have chosen this. God and others maybe haven't or God never blessed us with children. I've never been married. So those verses don't apply. Oh no, God called all of us to be witnesses to multiply our faith in whatever relationships and resources he gives us. And that takes some work and that takes some sacrifices. Who are you enlisting to serve with you? What I want you to ponder this question. What sacrifices are you making to impact others with your life? If I were to drop dead of a heart attack today, who would say he made some sacrifices to, to bring me along in my Christian journey? He made a difference in my Christian walk. I'm different today because of his investment in my life. Who would say that about you? Who would say that about me? What sacrifices are you making? The old famous preacher, Gypsy Smith, told of a woman in London who wrote him and said, I have a meeting that I want you to come speak at and it's just a small meeting, and it won't take anything out of you. She thought that that would attract him. It won't be that big of a deal. And Gypsy Smith answered, I cannot come. And it would be of no use if I did come. Because he said, if it takes nothing out of me, it will do nobody any good. 
It is true service that costs, and a cheap religion is not worth preaching. It takes some work, and Paul said it, he said it this way, he said that, he, he likened it to, I have labored in travail and birth again to you. He likened it to the pain of, of, of bringing a life into this world. To work with people and to multiply your faith is not always easy. It's difficult and sometimes discouraging and sometimes disheartening. People that you love and you invest in, they turn their back on you and, and they leave and they move to North Carolina and things. And sometimes, this is giving you a hard time, Chad. And sometimes, you know, working with people isn't always easy, but, but God called us to invest our lives in other people. May I ask all of us, what does being a Christian or a member of Liberty Baptist Church cost us? What is it taken out of us? If we are giving nothing, we are probably impacting nothing. If we are giving nothing, we are probably impacting nothing. Think about the opportunities in our annual church calendar. This week, we have the SoCal Outreach. Well, my, I had plans on Saturday, and I'm not trying to put a guilt trip. If you can't come, you can't come. That's between you and the Lord. I had plans on Saturday. Maybe you did. There's no way I can do that. But, but it, somewhere along the way, it might not be this event, but somewhere along the way, we're going to have to say, you know what, I'm going to have to put some of my plans on hold so that I can make a difference in somebody else's life. We have the outreach, and we have discipleship, and Sunday school, and the Christian school, and bus routes, and missions giving, and missions trips, and team camp, and children's programs, and vacation Bible school. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, why do we do all of those things? Is that just because, well, we kind of need a job. Hey, pastoral staff, they're like paying our salaries to work here. We've kind of got to justify the reason that we have a job here. So let's think of some events to do so that, that they keep paying us. Let's, let's figure that out. No, why do we have the events that we have? Why have we structured our church calendar the way that we have? If, if There's one word for why we do those things, and here's the word, multiply. Why do we have Newport Christian School? We want to multiply our faith in another generation. Why do we have outreach this week? We want to go be a blessing to some ministries and, and plant some seeds of the gospel. Why? That God might multiply the gospel in Orange County. Why do we run the bus routes every Sunday? We're trying to multiply out into these communities and into these neighborhoods and plant the seeds of the gospel that lives would be changed. Why, why do we have a vacation Bible school and a teen camp? Teen camp isn't just so that we can give teenagers a fun one-week vacation away from their parents. No, we're trying to plant some seeds in the, those young lives that they'll live a lifetime for God, that they'll take the faith that we've passed on to them and they'll pass it on to their children and to their children's children. And if God doesn't ever give them children, or even if he does, they'll pass it on to their peers and to those around them and their coworkers and their neighbors. The whole reason for all of the events and the programs of this church should be to multiply. We've been given the gift of salvation. Is it growing from us or is it dying on the vine in our lives? We want to see others come to know Christ and then we want to see them grow in their faith. Turn with me and I'm almost done. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse number 18. I want you to see our Lord's final words to his disciples, his final recorded words in Matthew. We call it the Great Commission. It's been said it was his last command to his disciples in Matthew and it's been said that his last command should be our first priority. Matthew chapter number 28. The last recorded words of Jesus in the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse number 19, what are those next two words? 
Go ye therefore, because I have all power, I want you to go. And what do I want you to do? Why did I save you? Over the last three years, disciples, I reached you and you were fishermen and you were tax collectors and you did all these things. And I reached you and I gave you the good news of Jesus Christ. I gave you the gospel. Now, what is your job? Go ye therefore. And what does it say in verse number uh, 19? And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We see the power at the beginning of that. We see God's promise of his presence at the end of it. But the whole point was, here's what I leave you with. Go multiply yourselves. That's why I'm leaving you here. Why? Those of you that grew up in a Christian home, children and teenagers, those of us that have been given the gospel, we've been saved for a year or five or 10 or 20 or 30. Why did God save us? A few reasons. But one of the big ones was not that we would take that gift and keep it to ourselves, but that we would multiply our faith with those around us. Multiply. His parting words. We live as Christians so often, not even just all of us as humans. We live isolated, selfish, self-centered lives. And we wonder why we're so empty. Our lives revolve around us and our pleasure and our possessions and our, our pursuits. And we wonder, I lived for myself for five years, for 10, for 30, for 40, for 50. And, and I, had, I had career success and this happened and I bought that car and I bought that house. Why do I still feel so empty? Why am I having a midlife crisis? Why am I wondering, does my life really matter? One of the reasons is, and there are a variety of reasons sometimes for that, but one of the reasons is everything we've done has turned inward. We're not living to multiply our lives, to invest in anyone around us for the sake of the gospel. What does the Bible say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. But we all like to receive, don't we? We think receiving is what will make us happy, but really the joy comes when we give out but you've heard the illustration of the dead sea all it does is take in and and because of that there is no life we have i'm afraid in in the world today we have churches full of consumers rather than conduits and we wonder why our churches are dead and dying by nature we are takers and not givers moses told the children of israel multiply the family of faith for three generations paul told timothy multiply yourself for three generations, Jesus told the disciples, go reach people and then equip them to do the same. Christian, pass your faith down. Bring up your children to serve. Reach others. Invite neighbors. Get involved in service. Volunteer to teach. Get involved in outreach. If you're able to, join us on Friday or Saturday. Two weeks from tonight, come to that soul winning seminar with Scott Pauley and, and say to ourselves, okay, God, I've lived for myself long enough. I'm now going to use my relationships and I'm going to use my opportunities and my resources, not just for myself. I'm going to use them to make a gospel impact in the people around me. Think about your relationships and your resources. The, your resources of time, talent, treasure. Think about those, your relationships and your resources. How often are you leveraging those two things for the kingdom of God? Are you using your relationships and your resources to tell more people about Jesus? And how about me? Have we grown up in a Christian home? Have we been in church for years, not months? We've been given much if we have, haven't we? What does the Bible say? To whom much is given, much shall be required. So here's the questions, and, and I'm about done. No points to my message tonight. Here's the questions. 
Who will be in heaven because you or I told them about Jesus? Who is still serving the Lord joyfully because of our encouragement and investment in their lives? Who knows more of Christ because of what we have shared in their lives? Who is our Elisha or our Joshua or our Timothy? How are you multiplying yourself, bearing fruit in the vineyard of God? This week, I want to challenge all of us to reach out, to serve, to love, to give, to pass a tract, to post something on social media, to give a small gift, to pay for somebody's meal and give them a gospel tract while you do it, to do little things to invest, to come to church and encourage somebody that looks like they're struggling, to pray with somebody when there's opportunities to teach a class, maybe if God's giving you that gift, to teach God's word to others, to, to sing God's word through the, through the music. And when we open that choir back up in nurseries to hold a baby so that parents can learn and can grow all the different things that we do, but it all, yes, it's service for him, but it's also to multiply our faith around us. And here it is. Here's the conclusion of this series. If you are a second generation Christian, God wants there to be a third and a fourth and a fifth. We're told, and you, it depends on the statistic you read, but it's terrible statistics, of those that grow up in the church that leave never to come back again. I gave you some statistics in the first message of this series. They were given a gift, they kept it to themselves, and decided to go their own way. Here's the challenge. God wants us. Rejoice, you've been saved. Beware that you grow complacent. Embrace it for yourself. Continue on. First, it's thou. You've got to live what you've been taught. But then don't stop with continuing. Multiply. Share your faith in whatever way you can with others. Some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. Teenager, adult, does your plan for your life involve anything about you making a difference in someone else's life? This world tells us to focus on self, on our career, on our happiness, on our achievement, on our pleasure. God says, I want, I want you to embrace your faith for yourself. I want you to live it for yourself, but I don't want you to keep it to yourself. Can I say that again? God's plan for the Christian is, I want you to embrace your faith for yourself. I want you to live it for yourself, but I don't want you to to keep it for yourself. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, you're not a Christian, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, let today be the day that you start into the family. But if you have been saved, how are we doing multiplying, serving? One preacher said, true spiritual maturity comes when the believer takes off the bib and puts on the apron. True spiritual maturity comes when the believer takes off the bib, being served, and puts on the apron, starts serving. Second generation Christian, let us be servants when we feel like being selfish. Let us strive to multiply our faith in and through others. Reach out, give, serve, preach, tell, help, love, multiply. Many years ago, the Salvation Army, when it was at the height of its, now we just think of it as a thrift store. At one time, it was a thriving gospel preaching ministry. It was, and there are still some, some parts of it where they do that, but it's, today it's not nearly what it once was. To, at one point, Salvation Army was literally an army of Christian soldiers preaching the gospel. And it was during that time they were getting ready to hold an international convention. And the founder of the Salvation Army, General William Booth, you can read about him, an amazing man. He was supposed to be the main speaker for that convention, but he could not uh, attend because of physical weakness, physical illness. And so General Booth, 
at the International Convention of the Salvation Army, he sent his message over the cable via telegram. He sent his message, and it was one word, and it was in all caps. And you know what his, men, his, his message was? His message at the convention, to the International Convention of the Salvation Army, he sent his message, and they stood up and read it in all caps. It was the word, others. Others. We're very good at living for self, aren't we? That's why Jesus said, I believe, love thy neighbor as thyself. Because our natural is to serve ourselves. And the spiritual is to serve others. Second generation Christianity, you've been given much. When you die, who will you have invested in? Who will you have impacted? Who will you have reached? Because of what somebody took the time to invest in you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these truths that we saw in Deuteronomy 6. Thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons. God, your plan is a generational faith. God, I pray that here at Liberty, you would raise up another generation of Christian servants. That God would not just focus on our comfort and our ease. Would not just focus on our careers and our, our, our finances. And would not just focus on our pleasure and our pursuits. But God that our lives, our homes, our ministry would be focused on reaching out, not just turning in. That, Lord, we would see some Elijahs that would invest in Elishas, some Moses that would invest in Joshua, some, some, some Pauls that would invest in Timothys, that we would be witnesses multiplying our faith. With our heads bowed and our eyes Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.